And welcome back to another episode of Peek Behind the Curtain. My name is Vince Carone, a stand-up comedian out of Chicago since 2001, bringing to you what it's like to be a comedian performing all over the country that you've never heard of before. All the shit that I get to experience and bring it right back to you on this podcast. Pulling no punches, holding nothing back. Go subscribe to all my social media at Vince Carone or head on over to my website at www.vincecarone.com to sign up for my mailing list so I can let you know when I'm coming to perform live in your area. Now let's get this podcast started off right. My goals in my life are to be a good father, to be... Fuck you. So the reason I'm single. Yeah, we know that. <laughs> yeah, because your wife stopped fucking me for free. You guys ready to see your headlines tonight? And should you guys be like the exhibits at a pro-choice rally or something? Welcome to stage the very funny things, Corinne! This week's podcast is all about me performing at the MGM in Las Vegas on the Strip with Brad Garrett this past March 2019. Before I get into that, let's talk a little bit about what I've been up to this past week. This past Thursday, I went on out to St. Joseph's, Michigan to perform at a place called Czar's. C-Z-A-R apostrophe S, just to fuck everybody up so nobody can find this place. This is a fun room. I did it for the first time back in August of 2015. We had a packed house back then. This time, I went out there. When I showed up about 10 minutes before the showtime, there was two people in the room. They waited till about 8.15, about 15 minutes late to start the show, and about 20 more people ended up coming in. So we had a decent, uh, decent little audience there for us. I went on out there with a comedian out of Chicago, a funny guy named Mike Maxwell. You could follow him on Twitter at the Mike Maxwell. Mike and I went to the show, and there was a few uh, local comedians who were opening before before we went up there. And then uh, Mike went on stage, and I'll say that this crowd was a little reserved for the first few comedians. We really couldn't get any laughter going out of them. But Mike went up there like the professional that he is, and he just kept at it, and he and he pulled through, and he pushed the audience to a different level than where they were, and got them engaged, and got them laughing. And then I came up there, and I've had I've had 18 years of experience of people just staring at me blankly, not giving a shit, not wanting to listen to what I'm saying. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't phase me as much as you think it. Would. So I can I can really uh, I can really embrace that moment and and just put my back into it to get the audience on my side. Uh, advice that I would give to younger comedians in this situation is literally and figuratively never step backward on stage. Always step forward. Always lean in. If the crowd isn't into you, don't try and hide towards the wall at the back of the stage like we have a tendency to do naturally. We just have a tendency to close up and pull ourselves away from the audience. Instead, lean in. Get to the edge of that stage and, and up your energy more. You're going to get out of it what you put in. I ended up getting several applause breaks from this audience, and I pulled way more out of them than I thought I'd be able to, and we, we had a we had a lot of fun. The room looked like it was straight out of Saw. It looked like I was in the, the movie Saw, and so that's what it felt like when I got up on stage, that if uh, I've got 45 minutes to make these, these people laugh or I die a slow death in this room. That's my only way to escape is by making them laugh. And uh, I did that on Thursday, and then on Saturday, I did a church fundraiser 
which uh, I don't usually get picked for those types of gigs, but I was glad it landed on my plate, and uh, they wanted they wanted a clean show, and I was able to I was able to uh, deliver that for them. I showed up there, and uh, we had just crazy problems with the microphone the whole night. The the first two or three comedians that were up there, they were using a wireless mic, and the guys running the sound had to keep changing batteries, and and they switched out probably four different wireless mics, and they all just kept cutting out inevitably right at the punchline, right during the best part of everyone's jokes. And finally, when the when the third comedian was going up, I went up to the sound system, and they're like, hey, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, I wanted to ask you guys, do you have a, do you have a, a wired mic? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And you're like, well, yeah, what, what the fuck are we fucking around with these wireless mics for? The, the guy's sitting at the soundboard holding the, the plug into the receiver so that the wireless mic can keep its reception. And if he moves his hand even slightly, it's cutting out the mic that's on the stage. And you're going, get a wired mic. You know, so they, they got the wired mic up. And uh, so by the time I got on stage, I didn't have any of those issues. Um, but we were, at a, we were at a high school for this fundraiser. And, uh, and there was a lot of trophies out in front, uh, on display in this high school. So I opened my show with, Hey, I see, uh, I see a lot of trophies out there. Pretty popular high school. You guys are, you guys are pretty good at what you do. Uh, the one trophy I didn't see out there was a debate trophy. And that's cause you guys probably can't get any of the fucking microphones to work to hear the debates. So maybe next year we could have a fundraiser for a sound system and, uh, and the place laughed, it broke the ice. And, uh, I had just, a an awesome, awesome set there had an awesome show. So this week's topic, let's start to dive into it. Performing at the MGM with Brad Garrett. And what better way to kick this off than by hearing Brad Garrett introduce me to the stage. Take a listen. The best comedian in the Midwest. Uh, unfortunately, he bombs in the East. <laughs> I'm gonna need you. No, he's very, very funny. He has his own special on Comedy Central. He's making his Vegas debut. He's been killing it every night. A nice hand from Chicago. My paisan, Mr. Vince Carone. Vinny! That was pretty awesome. To have, to have Brad Garrett introducing me was, uh, was such a, a cool experience. Uh, as a comedian. That was this past March, March of 2019. So uh, before I dive into what it was like working with Brad and meeting him and how the shows went, I want to just take a moment to, to set the stage for just to, just to give you that, 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 that inner look of why this was such an awesome experience and just how awesome uh, a club this place is. It's uh, the MG- Brad Garrett's Comedy Club at the MGM Grand on the Las Vegas Strip is not only the best comedy club in Las Vegas, it's one of the best comedy clubs in the country. Everything from from how it's run to how it's set up to to the staff to Brad Garrett, of course, to the drinks to the professionalism to how they treat the comics to how they pay the comics uh, the the audience they're they're sold out almost every single night of the year. It's just such an awesome awesome place to be. It's what is considered an A room in comedy, an A plus room. Very, very hard to get into. And the journey to the MGM Grand for me was not an easy one, as most things in life aren't. So I have played all around Vegas, and I never played on the Las Vegas Strip. So my Vegas story starts out with kind of a a massive fuck up on my end. So in in 2008, I worked with a comedian 
on the road in Michigan, and she's from Las Vegas. And we just we clicked right away. Uh, she was headlining, I was featuring for, her, and we just clicked. We got along that whole weekend. We had a lot of laughs with each other, and uh, and she was talking about some of the clubs she worked at in Vegas. And at the time, before they closed down, there was a hotel called the Riviera, and inside was was a you know. Uh, a Las Vegas famous Riviera comedy club that had been around for a long, long time. So when I was uh, a teenager, my parents took my sister and I out to Vegas, which is the start of my gambling problems, which will be for a different podcast. But we we went out to Vegas, and I remember going to watch uh, shows at at the Riviera Comedy Club, and I got to see uh, Jim Wiggins perform out there. I don't know if if you know who he is, but uh, to the comedy world, he's famous. And then years later. I actually got to uh, work with Jim Wiggins and open for him in one of my first gigs. So it was actually a pretty cool experience. Anyway, uh, th- this uh, this comic uh, was was working all those clubs, and she was telling me it's very hard to get in, but you'll see what she can do. Then in late 2008, I got a phone call from her that said, hey, I need uh, an MC at the Riviera next week. Are you able to do it? It'll be a full week, and you know whatever it paid, you get a room, and... And uh, and I couldn't believe it. In 2008, I was uh, I was 20 uh, 26 years old, and uh, it was just such a cool experience to to have that offer. But um, I was already booked to headline a club in Milwaukee that next weekend, and I probably could have tried to move the Milwaukee gig around to accommodate the Riviera offer, but. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't want to do it. the The club in Milwaukee was a great club as well, and they were headlining me. And uh, a year later, I'd end up recording my second CD. Thanks for the clap there. And I just had a really good relationship with them. And not only did I not want to damage that relationship, I also felt, hey, I just met this uh, this comedian. She called me already with this offer about emceeing. Surely there's going to be plenty of more opportunities to work there. And so I declined it, and I never got the offer again. And when I think about that now, I don't even I don't know that I regret it because I I did the right thing in not screwing over another comedy club. But at 26 years old, it would have been just such a, such a, such an awesome, awesome comedy boner to say I'm performing on the Las Vegas Strip. Anyway, uh, dumb decisions, not taking chances. That's part of my life. So in February of 2009, I played in Laughlin, Nevada. Now, if you don't know where Laughlin, Nevada is, it's about 80 miles south of Vegas, and it's basically like an old folks' home for Las Vegas. That's what it really is. It's it's a it's a strip of casinos, all with uh, all without the, the the parting, all without the people walking down the 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 strip carrying drinks and and uh, just a lot of oxygen oxygen tanks and. Uh, uh, a lot of oxygen takes and smokers, and a lot of uh, five dollar tables out there, and uh, and cheap buffets, and you know lights out at uh, at nine o'clock at night. But I got the phone call. Sammy Shore, Pauly Shore's dad, was uh, opening his own club called Sammy's on the Shore, and I got the I got the phone call to come uh, help cut the ribbon, and I got to meet Pauly Shore and his dad. And I got to you know work with his dad all weekend out there, and so uh, I was close. I was close to Vegas. wasn't quite there. It was eighty miles south. Then, in September of 2009, I got to play Vegas for the first time, but I wasn't on the strip. I got the phone call to uh, to come on out for a Thursday through Saturday run of shows at the Palace Station. And again, this is like people going, 
Hey, where are you going? I go, I'm going to Vegas. Oh, which hotel? The Palace Station. Where? Yeah, then you got to go, oh, it's the place where OJ got arrested for stealing all of his shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I know that place. So that was my claim to fame. I got to perform at the place where OJ stole all of his shit. And uh, it was off the strip. And uh, I remember my, my family was so excited for me that I was playing Vegas, and I was pretty jacked up. I had 17 people uh, fly out to make it just a, a nice big party between family and friends, and uh, and they all decided they were going to come to one show. So on, on Thursday that week, we kicked it off and had a sold-out show, um, and it was awesome. And then on Friday, the early show Friday, is when all 17 of my uh, family and friends decided they were coming out to that show. And on that particular show, there was 22 total people in the audience. You guessed it. 17 people that I knew and 5 people that I didn't. I had 17 people fly thousands of miles to come see me do the same shit they could have seen here. Only with 5 additional people. To say I was humiliated is an understatement. I hated every minute of it. Uh, and it was all just uh, all just fragile ego bullshit. This is they came out to support me. They were having a great time. They laughed, and they they couldn't have been any better about it. This was just me, me just going. I, I wanted a full house. I wanted to prove myself. But as history shows in comedy, whenever you want uh, to do a good show in front of all your family and friends, uh, that's when you end up eating shit. So. Um, but uh, so that was that, and then of course the rest of the shows were were packed and and a great time, and none of my friends or family came out to see any of those. So uh, that was in 2009. In 2010, I tried to get on the Las Vegas Strip. Now it wasn't at the MGM. This this club wasn't there yet, but at the Tropicana there was a club that was opening, and it was supposed to be the popular club in Vegas at the time. And so I had emailed the booker, sent over my credentials, tried to get in. And I got this email back from the booker. Hey Vince, the club is not even open yet and is already booked until December. It's going to be tough for new kids to break in, especially the first year that the club is open. Nothing for you at this time. Good luck with your comedy endeavors. I got that email back. And while it's a polite email, I'm just reading it over and over and even reading it today going, it's going to be tough for new kids to break in. Now, in 2010, I was 28 years old. Now, I'm that's still young, of course, uh, but I'd already been doing comedy at that point for 10 years, and uh, for 9 or 10 years. And so to hear tough for new kids to break in, and you have to internalize that, and you have to accept that and go, shit, what, what do I have to do to get there? Now, now being in this business um, you know, for another eight or nine years after that now, whatever the math works out to, I'm not good at doing it that quick. Um, you're, you're going, okay, I get it. I, w- I was green. I didn't have the credentials. I wasn't going to be able to draw anybody out there. I had no notoriety to me. Uh, what was I going to offer this club for them to be able to offer me a week at one of the best clubs in the country? But at the time, it just, again, it's damaging to the ego and you're going, fuck, another rejection. Another rejection, another rejection. I'm still a new kid 10 years in. Back to the drawing board, keep going again. At that point, I'm just going, I'm never going to get to Vegas. And I, I kind of stopped trying. I just played the, the rest of the country and did what I had to do. 
Then in May of 2015, I got a phone call to go back out to Vegas. And I got to play at the Plaza Hotel and Casino in Vegas. And you all know where that is, right? No, you don't. Because nobody does. Because it's not on the Strip. And that's been my life. Five years later, still not on the Strip. I remember uh, we were out there for my buddy's wedding. And so I had a bunch of friends out there once again. So they all, and I only had one show out there. So they all took the uh, the $40 cab ride to go off Strip to come see me at this show. A sold-out show. Full room. And they didn't get my rants. I died a slow death on stage for 43 minutes and 44 seconds. I just looked it up. And I was going to play you an audio clip from the show, but it sucked so bad that I figured if you're going to hear something suck, just keep listening to my podcast. In August of 2017, I got booked to do the Laughlin Comedy Festival. Again, 80 miles south of Vegas. I'm either off the strip or I'm 80 miles south. And I went out there and I did the uh, the Laughlin Comedy Festival, 40 comics competing for a $10,000 cash prize. And I ended up taking third place. Had a pretty good showing out there. It got me into a, a couple other rooms in California and Arizona and, uh, and a few other rooms uh, out and about. But, uh, but still didn't get uh, to perform in Vegas. I got to fly in and out of Vegas. I got to hang out in Vegas, but I didn't get to perform in Vegas. And what's really frustrating as, as time goes on is all my friends are working Vegas. All the all the comedy people and all my comedy uh, buddies that you hear me talk about on this podcast, Jim Flanagan, Ken Gar, and a variety of others, they're all working out in Vegas. They're all they're all there, and, and it's through a different connection. Maybe they met Brad Garrett when they were performing at the Improv. They were they were fortunate enough to open for Brad Garrett here, and so he got to see their act and personally invite them out to Las Vegas. And uh, and some of them had been working Vegas for years. And this isn't a club that you can just recommend people to get in from one comic to the next. They they don't base it on recommendations. It's it's Fort Knox. It's fucking difficult to get there, and I couldn't do it. But that would all start to change throughout 2016, 17, 18, and ultimately leading to me being there this past March. When we come back from our sponsor, which is me, I'll tell you a little bit more about it. So right before the sponsor, I had mentioned that things started to shift in 2016, 17, and 18, leading up to me being there this year. So what had really happened was there was a there was a, there was a comedy club that I'd been trying to get in for so many years that wasn't the MGM, more more local in the uh, Chicagoland area, and I just I, I couldn't I couldn't break ground. Well, in, in 2016, I got a chance to to do a weekend at this club, and I had a really good showing, and the booker was there. And the, the booker took a liking to me, and I started getting some more frequent work at this club throughout 2017 and 2018. And the more opportunities I got, the better I was able to deliver, and the better relationship I had with this booker. And in comedy, there's often times when somebody who's booking you today takes over another position, or somebody who's, uh, who's working at the door takes over the booking, and these opportunities happen in comedy, so... When when you when you can't get into a room because maybe this particular booker doesn't like you, sometimes if you wait it out, somebody else will take over the booking eventually at that club who did like you, and you'll get booked into a club you were never able to get into before. And that's what happened to me. I started working in this club in Chicago a lot, and then this person who was doing the booking here ended up taking a role at Brad Garrett's comedy club at the MGM in Las Vegas. Shortly after this person went to go work at this club, I received an email. 
on August 13th, 2018, I got this email without prompting it myself. Hi Vince, I am introducing myself as the booking agent on behalf of Brad Garrett's comedy club at the MGM in Las Vegas. You already heard about the venue from so-and-so Booker, and they have told us so many good things about you, so we have decided to make you an offer for our earliest opening in 2019. If you are willing and available, I have the feature spot open the week of March 18th through the 24th, 2019. The feature spot is a Monday through Sunday, seven-night engagement, seven shows, one per night at 8 p.m. for the flat rate of X. Also included is a non-smoking room at the MGM for the duration of your week. Please let me know at the earliest convenience as this is a firm offer. We all hope to have the pleasure of working together. How fucking cool is that email? Ten years of trying. Ten years of getting around Vegas, you know, beneath Vegas, having emails saying it's going to be tough for young kids to break in. Nine years later... I wasn't such a young kid anymore, and I was able to break in. Sometimes in life, that just happens. Overnight success stories that are 20 years in the making happen all the time. And for me, this is my, my one chance at that. This was, a, this was an overnight success story that, that had 18 years of work behind it. It felt amazing. I called, I called my wife, I called my parents, I called my sister, and I called my friends. Right away, I couldn't believe it. It was awesome. Uh, I got booked for, for March Madness week. It was the kickoff to March Madness. Vegas was going to be crazy. Now all of my friends said, uh, we're going to start booking. We're going to go out there with you. And the same thing that uh, all my family started saying, uh, we're coming out there with you too. And I'm like, great. I've seen this before. When you show up, I suck. But anyway, they're coming out there. So... Uh, that was in that was in August of 2018. Flash forward, March 2019 is there. Before I know it, it flies by. Uh, I I I fly out to Las Vegas. I get a text message the morning of uh of the first show. It's from Brad Garrett uh, himself welcoming me to Las Vegas, saying he can't wait to meet me. He wants to make sure I have I have everything I need. If there's anything I need, I can reach out to him directly. And then uh, the other staff members also reached out and connected with me to make sure I was well taken care of. This is why this is one of the best clubs in the country. They care about you and they want to put your well-being first as a comedian. So it's uh, it's time for the first show, and uh, and I'm a little and I'm a little bit nervous to to be honest because this is this is a big deal. And, and my wife and my parents, uh, no, it's, uh, my parents aren't out there till the next day. My wife is out there, just, just my wife and myself. And my wife goes to watch the show. And so I, uh, I go to the green room and I go, I walk in and, uh, and I'm sitting down by myself a few minutes later, I hear the, I hear the deep voice and in walks Brad Garrett. And it's just, uh, such a cool experience because he's such a down to earth guy and he just, he couldn't have been any nicer immediately. Asked me uh, if I traveled with anybody or by myself, and I said that uh, my wife was here. And he's like, well, we'll bring her back here. I want to meet her. So I brought her back, and, and he was just asking her all kinds of questions about our kids and just and just talked to me like a peer. And, you know, while, uh, while you shouldn't expect anything less than, uh, than somebody else treating you like a peer when you're in business together, uh, it doesn't always work that way. 
Okay, and this is his club, and this is uh, this is his hometown, and this is this is his area. He he can he can do whatever he wants to do, and he still chooses to uh, to to be a class act the entire way. And so he just uh, he gave me uh, he gave me the tour, he gave me the rundown of what was going to happen. He had um, he had like a uh, like a, a a dresser with like like 40 drawers in it. Each drawer had a, a different type of candy in it. He told me to help myself. Anything I wanted to drink, I could have that, and um, and then we went out there to do the show. And I'm going to talk about the show in a minute, but uh, a couple more pieces of Brad Garrett. Um, the next night, my parents showed up, and he uh, he said, "I hear are your parents here tonight?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "Well, get them back here. I want to meet them." And so I brought them back, and he gives my mom a big hug the second he sees her. And uh, the first thing he says is, "Come on, let's get a picture together." And it was just such a cool move because Brad knows that everybody wants a picture with him. And instead of just uh, making us ask and feel uncomfortable, proactively, he just threw it out there and said, let's get a picture. And he talked to my mom and dad, and it was it was really cute. My mom was uh, completely starstruck. She, she was stumbling trying to talk to him, and it was, just, it was just funny. And she was just telling him how much that she loved Everybody Loves Raymond and my dad was, you know, telling him, "Hey, you, uh, you were the best one on that show." And uh, you know, Brad was like, "You know, hey, the writers were the best ones. I just did what they wrote." And he was just, again, a very humble person. And uh, and he texted me all week just to make sure I was taken care of. And then one of the one of the coolest things he did was uh, he pulled me aside one night because my parents were coming to all my shows, and uh, and he said, "Hey, Vince, do your parents like magic?" And I said, "Yeah, I think I think they do." And he goes, "Well, tomorrow night, tell them they're going to go see David Copperfield." I'm gonna get them. Uh, I'm gonna get them great seats, and after the show, they're gonna go uh, backstage and meet David Copperfield. And he set that all up for my parents, and uh, it was it was like I was living the big time for a week in Vegas. It was like I I was I was living it up out there. Uh, I was I was a somebody when I was there, and it just couldn't have been uh, a cooler time. Now, as for the shows themselves. Here is how the show structure usually goes at a club. You have an opener that goes up, does about 10 minutes. You have a feature, a middle act that goes up and does somewhere about 20, 25 minutes. Then you have a headliner that comes up and does anywhere from 45 to 60 minutes. And that's typical of a normal show. And the host goes up, does their set, introduces the feature. The host goes back up. You know, walks the feature off and introduces the headliner. And then the host goes back out, ends the show. This is slightly different out here. Brad Garrett ends up starting the show off himself. He is the host. And he goes out there and he does 20 killer minutes to a crowd of people who are there to see him specifically. It's Brad Garrett's club. They see his picture there. This place is sold out. 300 people every night. They're there to see him. And he walks out first and just slays the room. And and he talks to the crowd and he and he and he and he makes jokes with them and and picks on them and it's all in good fun and he just murders. Then at the end of his twenty minutes, he 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 tees it up and goes, "Okay, guys, I'm going to bring your feature performer out here, uh, and then I'm going to come back and do some more time." And so then Brad brings me out to do uh, fifteen minutes or so, and the whole time that I'm out there. The uh, I know the audience is just using me as the buffer until Brad gets back out to do more time, and so uh, so that's that's noodling around in my head the whole time, and um, 
and and I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to figure out what material is going to be the right material here, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. But once I'm done, Brad Garrett comes back out, does about another 20, 25 minutes, then introduces the headliner who comes on out and does about 20 minutes. Okay, and so uh, that's how the shows went uh, Monday through Sunday, one show a night, every night. That's how it went. Now Vegas has always been a little uh, different when it comes to comedy, because they're a transient audience. Okay, nobody's really from Vegas. They're all visiting from somewhere else. And so, uh, you know, some people, some people, you know, uh, are from the East Coast, some are from the West Coast, some are from the South, some are from uh, different countries. And so you don't have that commonality or that common ground like you do when you're just playing the Midwest or you're playing the East Coast or you're, you're playing the South. You don't have that, all gr- although the entire group is made up of one type of... Uh, you know, demographic. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit different. And I, I, re- I remembered that from my first few times playing Vegas, even though I never played on the strip, it was still the same experience. And so I was working with a headliner, a funny guy named Mike Loftus. And he told me day one, he's like, uh, you know, the, the way it works out here, Vince, is you're not going to do all the material that you do across the country. Out here, you're going to do material that uh, that you hate doing, that they love doing. And by the end of the week, that's going to become your act. They're going to love it, and you're going to hate that you're doing those jokes, but these are the jokes that you're going to have to do to, to stay with it. And he couldn't have been more right. I had to make some adjustments, and uh, I found myself like starting my set with with jokes I didn't I didn't want to do, and I thought it'd be fun just to just to play one for you. So here you go. Got my ass handed to me all week. I've been here since Monday. I, uh, they changed the rules in blackjack here at the MGM. Uh, apparently, they're only allowed to deal you 14s now. I didn't know that was a rule. And uh, I spent the afternoon all afternoon, three straight hours. I hit on more 14s than R. Kelly. But. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, All right. Yep. I did that joke out there every night, got that same reaction every night, and I became a horde of the material that worked. And my friends all came out on the uh, Wednesday night show, and I'll give you a guess as to what happened on Wednesday night. Yep, I bombed my dick off. It was the only show that I had out there out of seven shows where I just couldn't get the crowd going or laughing for anything. And uh, and uh, But I heard my friends laughing, which... Uh, which wasn't encouraging. It actually, it just made me feel like a low piece of shit. And afterwards, I remember uh, one of one of my uh, one of my good friends, uncles, uh, came out to the show who lived in California, and and he loves my comedy. And uh, after the show, all my friends were like, "That was super funny, man. That was super funny." And they're all just telling me what I want to hear. And I remember my friend's uncle walked up to me and he was like, "Hey, man, they didn't get it, but it's cool. Let's go have a drink." And it was uh, it was what I needed to hear at that point. Somebody who would just acknowledge that what just happened wasn't cool. It sucked. It wasn't fun. But who gives a shit? Let's go have a drink. And so we did, and uh, and it was fun. Um, there was a big sign out front uh, the whole week with Mike's picture, Brad's picture, and my picture on it. And uh, and I took the sign with me, this huge sign, and uh, I was able to get it all the way back. Uh, through the airport onto the plane, carried it back home, and so I have that in my house now, um, which is the the picture that you'll see on this podcast. Uh, but it was such a such a feeling of accomplishment when the when the show was when the show was uh, done for the week when when that last show was done because it was really cool. Also, as my sister came in on Sunday because she was going to be out in Vegas for work the next week, so I got to hang out with my sister all we uh, all day on Sunday, and then she came out to the show and got to meet Brad as well and got a picture with him, and so I got all my friends, my wife, my family, and everybody 
to uh to to meet brad to to get to see why he's such an awesome dude like i was saying and it was just such a a really cool surreal moment for me that i'm never gonna forget i felt like i fucking made it i came back and everybody was asking me how was it how was it and you know i'm honest with people if they ask how the shows went but nothing's gonna top the experience it was such a great time and uh other comics you know ask you hey how do you get into brad garrett's at the mgm and my only answers are dumb luck and 10 years of trying. I've got no other way to give it to you. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'll ever be back. I got a, I got a nice follow-up email from them. I think I'll be back one day. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to be back. Again, I'm back to the waiting game like everybody else. And there's 50 other clubs in this country, 100 other clubs in this country that I want to get in that I have no clue how to get in either. And I just know that I got I to gotta keep trying I got to keep moving forward and I got to keep giving it my best. It's like I said at the beginning of the podcast, you can't step back when you're feeling intimidated. You got to lean in. So that's my story of meeting Brad Garrett and performing at the MGM for the first time this past year. Uh, other uh, other things that happened on that trip were uh, I lost money gambling that just uh, increased my gambling problem, which I will tell you all about one day after years of um, years of being on the road as a comedian. I uh, I gambled a lot, and now I am no longer a gambler since uh, since March of 2019 when I came back from that trip. I am no longer a gambler, but uh, that's a story for a different podcast. So uh, this upcoming week, I am, I'm actually off comedy doing some personal stuff, so nothing exciting to share this week. Um, but I do have, uh, I do have rants uh, in, a, in a blog form on my website. Go check those out. I talk about the shows that I do each weekend, and you get a little bit more detail of behind the scenes um, of what's going on week to week versus uh, the topic of this podcast. And so uh, there's, some, there's some cool, um, cool stories and uh, pictures there that you can go see. So uh, www.vincecarone.com and uh, check out the blog section. Next week's podcast, I'm actually going to talk about my years as a guitar comic. Now, some of you might not know that about me, that I actually started out playing guitar on stage because I didn't have enough material to just do stand-up. Okay, I was influenced a lot by, uh, by Adam Sandler, and uh, there was part of me that thought that was the direction I was going to go. And next week, you'll find out why my career didn't go that way. So thanks once again for listening this week to Peek Behind the Curtain. If you liked what I did, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. If you didn't like what I did, please just leave the review button alone. Go follow me on all forms of social media at Vince Carone. Check out my website, www.vincecarone.com, and get yourself on my monthly newsletter so I can let you know when I'm coming to perform live in your area. Um, If you have any questions for me on this podcast, anything I didn't cover that you wanted to hear, if you have any suggestions, or if you have any questions that you want uh, to ask me about next week's podcast, my years as a guitar comic, please send those questions to vince at vincecarone.com, and I'll be glad to answer them uh, on the podcast and or email you back directly. That's it for this week. I appreciate it. It is midnight. I have to have this thing to you in six hours. I'm last minute about everything. Fuck my life. Have a good night.